0: Ted Cruz's claim is false. It was false from the get-go, and it remains false. Yes, it does. But does it matter?
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you, yep. yes I'm stuck in the middle From with
0: From Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPSK's 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on 91.7 KY, uh, FM, KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cozy Cottage Grove, Out in Pennsylvania on 93FM WLRI in lovely Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Up in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not... Radio Free Brooklyn, Grateful Dread, Public Radio in Nashville, and many others, including Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. And we have, uh, yes, another uh, post-debate coverage show with some fantastic panelists. Uh, one of whom has never been here before. Uh, Coming up shortly, over the weekend, uh, the Republican candidates, who are now considered to be the top seven by whatever ranking that ABC News uh, uh, decided to apply, they gathered in New Hampshire for their final debate before the first in the nation New Hampshire primary on Tuesday. Now, Very quickly, by way of reminder, while a small portion of New Hampshire towns serve as the gold standard for democracy, truly, by publicly hand-counting hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place on election uh, election night and posting the results right then and there before the ballots are moved anywhere— While that happens in a tiny portion of towns, the majority of the state still uses completely hackable and oft-failed Diebold optical scan computers to tally their hand-marked paper ballots. Those machines are serviced by a private company with a very shady background. The computer results, most importantly, are not verified by any human being before they are announced as the results by the media. On uh, on primary night on Tuesday, so I'm just giving you that heads up, and I suspect we'll talk about this more uh, in uh, tomorrow, and if necessary, in the days ahead. A friendly reminder to those who are concerned about the reported results in New Hampshire, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, no matter who you're supporting. Uh, as Bev Harris of Black Box Voting explained on this show last week, there's a few things you can try to do to help oversee. The parts of the tallies that are overseeable, namely for those in New Hampshire, you can take photos of the poll tapes at the end of the night at the precinct when the polls close. Those are the little results tapes that are printed off of those machines. Um, sometimes the numbers have a way of changing between when they're printed out at the precinct and when they're later reported publicly from the central tally computers. That happens a lot more than you would think, to be frank. Uh, so taking those photographs and tweeting them out or texting them to yourself so they're time-stamped, that can be helpful later. Just saying. Also, uh, for those who are following results at home as they come in on Tuesday night, take screenshots of those results. Save them as a file with a, f- a timestamp name on them. And also those can be tweeted and texted to yourself to put a time-stamp on them. But those results have a way of changing that may become informative later. So I'm hearing from a lot of people. They're very concerned about uh, New Hampshire results on Tuesday and all of the uh, primaries, frankly, as well you should be. This is one way that you can help oversee some of these systems that are otherwise not overseeable. All right, anyway, back to the ABC News GOP debate from the weekend. It was Trump, Cruz, Rubio, Carson, Christie, Kasich, And some uh, guy named Jeb all invited to participate. It was very, very interesting and enlightening, I think, as it followed uh, the Iowa caucuses where the results in Iowa showed Cruz as the somewhat surprise winner, followed by uh, Trump, followed by very closely in third place by Marco Rubio. And it was that third place victory with nobody else even in double digits coming out of Iowa that resulted in Rubio emerging as it was believed by, well, by Rubio and by much of the corporate media uh, that he was now the so-called establishment alternative to either Trump or Cruz. Well, that confidence in the Florida uh, wunderkind Rubio may have been misplaced and may have quickly faded in the past 24 to 48 hours following that Saturday debate. Even as Cruz's Iowa victory may also be quickly fading uh, before folks go to the polls on Tuesday, here to try and help us make sense of all of this today, what it all means, if anything, why it all matters, if in fact it does. Uh, You know, CNN and the other corporate media outlets, they can keep their professional paid Politico endorsers and surrogates and pundits who have failed to be right year after year after year. We turn, as usual, instead to the folks who have been right year after year after year in just about everything. So to that end, I've got another great panel uh, of actual experts, beginning with our longtime returning champ, Heather Digby Parton, (coughs) otherwise known as simply digby from the uh, brilliant digby's hullabaloo blog she's also a contributor at uh, contributing writer at salon recipient of the 2014 hillman foundation prize for opinion and Ana- analysis journalism Heather Digby-Parton, welcome back to the Bradcast.
2: Thanks for having me, Brad.
0: Always so good to have you here. Always so helpful to have you make sense of it. Uh, All, hopefully. Uh, Good luck to you. Also (laughs) joining us today, for the first time, I think, another guy who has been right about most everything for the past decade plus, Martin Longman, founder and editor of the long-published Boo Man Tribune. Uh, At Boomantribune.com, Martin is now blogging as well at Washington Monthly's Political Animal, where he is also Washington Monthly's web editor, and I should add, he's also a former community organizer for ACORN. Just to give you an idea of, of uh, how right this guy always is, and a consultant for, uh, or it used to be a consultant for Dem- Democracy for America, which came out of the 2004 Howard Dean campaign, now run by his brother Jim Dean, and that group has now endorsed Bernie Sanders. Martin Longman, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, how you doing, Brad? I'm okay. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Long-time fan. Uh really glad to have you on the show. Sorry it took so long to get you here. Now, very quickly, uh that group I had mentioned, uh Democracy for America, they have endorsed Bernie Sanders. Uh have you Martin endorsed uh, any uh, candidate at this point in the in the race?
3: No, no, I haven't endorsed a, a candidate and um And in my role at the Washington Monthly, we don't endorse candidates anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. So but, you know, personally, um, I'm a little bit torn, uh, but uh, I I have I have not decided uh, who I'll support yet.
0: So you're torn between Trump and Cruz. Is that what it is?
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs)
0: So, okay, maybe not. Maybe Sanders and Clinton. Uh, (laughs) Heather, uh, give us your usual disclaimer.
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I also uh, work with a, uh, a political group, a political pack called Blue America, similar to DFA, mm-hmm. and we have endorsed Bernie Sanders. In fact, we uh, put up a draft Bernie Sanders page back in, two, <laughs> in 2013, so we were wow. way ahead of the curve on that one.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and uh, But I personally am not endorsing. I have... You know good reasons to support either candidate uh or both candidates, and I'm fine with that. I'm just watching this unfold, and uh I'll be good no matter how it comes out one I, way or the other and
0: once again, when you say either or both, you mean either Rubio or Bush is that uh, well no Rubio or no? trump ah. I mean
2: I'm a big <laughs> <see>. trump fan, <laughs> I, know <laughs> so, I know you are and so you know
3: i <laughs>
0: I know you are. All right. Joining us as well, Desi Doyen, uh, our own producer. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hello. And uh, you have, uh, and who is it for you, Sick uh, or Christy?
2: Uh, well, I would have to say I want Carly Fiorina. Okay. No, yeah. Kidding. Um, yeah. Wouldn't that be hilarious? No, I haven't endorsed anybody. I don't intend to endorse anybody. Uh, California's primary is so late. I doubt that I'll have the opportunity to really vote.
0: Okay. But anyway, well, that's no, where I am. Well, you'll you'll have the opportunity to vote. Whether I your mean, vote yes. makes the difference in that contest. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. All right. Now, uh, speaking of always being right, I need to give a full credit here. Last time Heather Digby Parton was on. Hi. Yes, <laughs> uh, I had tossed in a request for predictions, which, by the way, I don't I don't usually do because I think that you know generally predictions are worthless, especially in a state like New Hampshire coming up where anything can happen and has happened. For a number of reasons, both good and bad. But it was uh, just prior to the Iowa caucus. Uh, Heather, I had you on. We were talking about one of the debates. I asked you guys for predictions. And here was Heather's. And uh, Heather Digby-Parton, you are also welcome to be wrong CNN-style. Who wins Republican and Democratic on Monday?
2: I will definitely be wrong, but I'm going with Cruz. Uh, is going to pull it off in Iowa. And I think Clinton will edge it out as well.
0: Nailed it, Heather. (laughs) You nailed it right on the money. Way yeah. to go! Congratulations.
2: What can I say? There's a first time for everything. <laughs> um, I, my record is not uh, generally uh, very good in these things. My crystal ball happened to be working that day, yeah. and uh, and you know, and and I was also you know, it wasn't that hard since the polls were showing. I mean, I did not the, the, the Clinton thing wasn't so hard to predict because they, they were showing her slightly ahead. The, uh, the Cruz thing, though, I really was going out on a limb because Trump was way ahead yep. in, the, in the polling. And I was just going on what I was reading, which was that, you know, Cruz has this great ground game. And if you look at my blog today, you'll see that he has, quote, a great ga- ground game mm-hmm. in New Hampshire, or so they're saying. So mm-hmm. I don't know how that will work out. Okay.
0: Well, and anyway. by the way, you may end up uh, becoming wrong still about Iowa because those numbers still could yes. change. It, yes, it could, it <laughs> so, could be. My,
2: it, the, the preliminary uh, results show Clinton you know, slightly edging it out, and who knows, Cruz may have stolen it from Ben Carson, which would have been a real upset.
0: Yeah, that too, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, because uh, Cruz is a very, very impressive liar, and I just want to get into some of that in a little bit. But first, you know, these. uh, uh, let me ask you, uh, Martin, the the ratings on Saturday night for this uh, GOP face-off, this was a weekend debate uh democrats had been complaining their uh, debates had been on the weekends and they weren't getting very high ratings this actually on saturday got the highest ratings of at least of the debates so far in 2016 over 13 million viewers um far out surpassing by the way msnbc's debate last week now that was at the last minute but it only had 4.5 million viewers uh, Martin Longman, should Democrats read anything into this? Should they be concerned in any way that the Democratic uh, that the Republican debates are so far outpacing the uh, Democratic debates for ratings? Does that mean anything at all, or is that all just a you know a, a side effect of of Donald Trump uh, being so much fun to watch?
3: It, that's what makes it so difficult to to tell because. Uh, you have this television celebrity that people are tuning in to see, mm-hmm. uh, because he's outrageous and who knows what he's going to do. And, um, that distorts, um, that distorts the ratings. So it's like an Apple and orange mm. situation. Um, it would be a lot easier to judge without Trump. Um, of course we did have one debate without him, mm-hmm. um, um,
0: And actually, that still did. It still it didn't do as well as the others, but it still did pretty well. It still did better than the Democrats. Does this suggest that Republicans are more engaged, that they're more angry? Does this uh, augur poorly for what happens in in uh, November or is this just chalk it up to the Trump effect and it's too too early to read anything into this at all?
3: Well, there are other ways you could go about trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look at uh, what what are the turnouts. You know, so far we only have Iowa, but you can keep an eye on that. And um, the GOP and did better in Iowa,
0: by the way, Martin.
3: That's right. And you can look at uh, voter registration also, uh, where that exists in a partisan manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see who's doing more. I think you should expect... Um, that a party that's been out of the White House for eight years will be uh, a little more energized um, about the primary. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I feel like that was definitely the case for the Democrats eight years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, so I wouldn't be too surprised to see um, a little bit more um, interest um, from their base, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, I I wouldn't start to really worry about it until you see really bad registration numbers. If Mm. they're swamping the Democrats in in new voters and new registrations, then that would be where I would start to worry. Uh,
0: Heather, the GOP had 180,000 turnout for the Iowa caucuses. The uh, Democrats had about 160,000. What's what's your take on this? you share Martin's uh, thinking that nothing to worry about for now?
2: Yeah, I do. I think he's exactly right. I think I think that you know these. I, you just cannot underestimate. And you and I have talked about this a lot, Brad. Mm-hmm. This tremendous celebrity factor that you have with Trump that that accounts for quite a bit of it and the rest of it is is that the race is this amazing sideshow. Uh, I mean it it's interesting. Look, half the people who are tuning in are democrats who are never going to vote for any of those people because it is fascinating. It really is <laughs> fascinating and uh, and not just for junkies like those of us on this on this show. I mean, this is true for for average people that I know that were tuning in on Saturday that would never, you know, care really about the republicans. Mm. But mm-hmm. there is this sense that there's something really, uh, you know, unusual happening there. So, uh, you know, I think sure it's good for turnout for the for the Republicans that they're getting their base excited and potentially bringing in some new voters that they that they've been hoping. You know, this is the missing white people that they keep talking about.
0: Oh, those maybe are them, they, yeah.
2: You know, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they're doing some good there. But look, you know, the turnout numbers were high for the Democrats in Iowa too, and I expect they're going to be high. This is this is one of those elections that's going to be. Interesting, and and there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think that the Republicans, particularly, have a a. You know, they're putting on. Look, let's let's put it this way. The front runner is a guy who appears on worldwide wrestling under the character named Donald Trump, and actually participates in it as one of the bad guys. So this is what we're dealing with on the Republican side. That's literally true. He goes to those things. He actually appears on it. So you know, this is. This is a, something we've never seen anything like this before. So of course people are tuning in. You know, it's a it's a, well, it's a train wreck. You know,
0: it also well, it may be a train wreck. But I've continued to say throughout all of this that uh, Democrats should be very careful about underestimating uh, Donald Trump. And I think oh, me too. Uh, that the I know you have, and uh, you know, I think that w- we'll well, we'll we'll get into some of the uh, specifics from the uh, from the debate itself. But uh, once again, I hate to say it, looking at Saturday night, other than, uh, uh, Kasich, uh, out of Ohio, Governor Kasich, um, Donald Trump was kind of the least insane sounding person on the <laughs> stage on Saturday night. Uh, Martin, uh, Longman, am I wrong about that? Or what, what was your take on this just from a helicopter view?
3: <laughs> well, I-, I can definitely see why you would say that. Um, I think that, um, Jeb um, may have sounded somewhat sane um, uh, as well, so I would throw him in there with with Kasich um, <laughs> as, as the semi sane people. Um, but you know, it w- what what struck me about Trump was that he took a couple of stands that were definitely unorthodox, right? Like he he made a lot of effort to defend eminent domain, which yep. was c- curious. Um, Mm-hmm. And uh you know, you also had this big, long riff about not letting people die in the street, you know? mm-hmm. um, which is i remember uh i guess what it, it was probably a ron paul thing it was uh, yeah. yeah where 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 someone was booed uh, for um, asking a question about leaving people to die without health care
0: right back and, in the 2012 uh, debates mm-hmm. that's right yeah
3: yeah so so intuitively you know if you're a republican running or debating uh you know and you know your history and you know your electorate i mean you wouldn't really take donald trump's tack. now new hampshire does have let independence vote so this is a, is a lot different than than a lot of the contests um but uh i thought uh trump took some positions that, that mm-hmm. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't ordinarily take. I, um, so what, th- I thought that was interesting. I don't know if it was sane exactly, but, what? you know.
0: <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons, though, because he does take those positions. He was absolutely right on eminent domain, and that was something that's been driving me crazy for years as the Republicans pretend to hate eminent domain, and then they love it. They use it all the time. They use it for Keystone XL Pipeline. Uh, they only pretend they don't love it. And Trump is pulling back that curtain and it could peel off some non insane right wingers uh, from from the middle, even from the Democrats, uh, which just one of the reasons why I keep repeating Democrats who are excited about Donald Trump winning this nomination. Be careful what you wish for. We're going to take a quick break and we will come back uh, with the uh, and the Marco Rubio meltdown. (sighs) Ted Cruz's Amazing Lies and much more right here on the Bradcast with my guests, Heather Digby-Parton and Martin Longman. Oh, brother, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to help keep us going. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate today.
1: And thanks. And let's dispel once and for all with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. But I would add this let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not there true. There it is. He knows exactly there it is what is he's the memorized doing. 25 second he, speech. I think anyone who believes that Barack Obama isn't doing what he's doing on purpose doesn't understand what we're dealing with here.
3: Domo what he got,
0: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here. Yes, that actually happened in the debate over the weekend in New Hampshire. Uh, incredibly Marco Rubio was, uh, called out, uh, for memorizing lines. It, It was really amazing. Uh, it called out for memorizing lines and then actually kept repeating the same memorized line over and over again as he was being called out for it. Going to speak with my guests about that and more. My guest, Heather Digby Parton and uh, of uh, of Salon and Martin Longman of Washington Monthly. And, of course, Desi Doyen is here with us as ever. Uh, all right. The two main battles on Saturday night uh, at the GOP debate in New Hampshire seem to me to be between Trump and Cruz for the extremist vote, if you will, and the battle between Rubio and the other so-called establishment lane alternative candidates. And so let's go to that for a moment, uh, because that was just remarkable, at least to me. It was certainly the most discussed in the 24 hours uh, or 48 hours since the debate, the seeming implosion of Marco Rubio just days after he had emerged as the so-called alternative to Trump and Cruz. He was helped along by Chris Christie in this uh, disaster, as you'll hear in a moment. But here's the sort of jaw-dropping audio exchange where Rubio, now being referred to as the Rubot or the Rubiobot, actually repeats the same things three times in a row, even as Christie
1: is calling him out for it. And let's dispel once and for all with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing.
4: The fact is, you have not been involved in a consequential decision where you had to be held accountable. You just simply haven't. I like Marco Rubio, but he simply does not have the experience to be president of the United States and make these decisions. I think the
1: experience is not just what you did, but how it worked out. Under Chris Christie's governorship of New Jersey, they've been downgraded nine times in their credit rating. But I would add this. Let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is trying to change this country. He wants America to become more like the rest of the world. We don't want to be like the rest of the world. We want to be the United States of America.
4: You see, everybody, I want the people at home to think about this. That's what Washington, D.C. does. The drive-by shot at the beginning with incorrect and incomplete information and then the memorized 25-second speech that is exactly what his advisors gave him. When you're president of the United States, when you're a governor of a state, the, the memorized 30-second speech where you talk about how a great America is at the end of it doesn't solve one problem for one person. And when the worst natural disaster in your state's history hits you, they expect you to rebuild their state, which is what I've done. None of that stuff happens on the floor of the United States Senate. It does not prepare you for president of the United States.
1: Chris, your state got hit by a massive snowstorm two weeks ago. You didn't even want to go back. They had to shame you into going back. And then you stayed there for 36 hours... See, Those are the facts. Here's the bottom line. This notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not there true. It is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is. The memorized
4: 25-second speech. There
1: it is. That's the, that's the reason is, why this campaign is so important. Marco, because And then when he decided to go back, he criticized the young lady, saying, "What are you supposed to know do? Go back with a mop? By the way, clean up the flood?" It gets. gets very.
4: It gets very unruly when he gets off his talk. Thank you, course. Governor. Uh, I will Here, mention you.
1: That
0: was just. Mind-blowing to me. Martin Longman, uh, let me go to you first. Uh, your thoughts on that, because it absolutely blew me away as it was happening. I- I'll let you take that.
3: It, it really is amazing that, I mean, um, at least uh, one of those just came completely out of the blue, just like in the middle <laughs> of like a non-sequitur. It was like a glitch in his programming, mm-hmm. and it, he fell right into what Chris Christie had been saying about him prior to the debate um and and so it 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 fit his narrative exactly uh and and then he couldn't get off it he couldn't recognize that he was damaging himself um
4: and he did it So
3: yeah it was it was really uh quite amazing uh to watch and uh i mean there's that that's precisely why everyone's talking about it.
0: And he he did it even a fourth time later in the debate. It was amazing,
3: right. uh,
0: Heather. Uh, well, what what's your general take? We'll get into specifics. Well, I on mean,
2: this. I, I I'm I'm with Martin. I mean, it was it was kind of amazing. And and he also, you know, I mean, it was this. It was clear that he was rattled because he was saying something even you know mm-hmm. bizarre in saying, "Let's dispel this fiction." Um, that Barack Obama is trying to, you know, is. Um, you know, what was the line? He said that he knows what he's doing, or that he doesn't knows what he's doing, which is right. just, you know, it's it's a weird, it's a weird thing for him to say anyway, and then for him to repeat it all those times. But I actually, when I when I realized what was happening, I it brought me back to something I'd read earlier about him. That he has, you know, you remember his first, um, you know, sort of re- um, introduction to the country where he did the State of the Union response? Yes. And he reached for the water bottle? Right. Well, apparently he ha- He does that all the time in his speeches. He drinks obsessively, and he's always, he really gets uptight if his water glass isn't there. And that it isn't the right kind, and he's always kind of licking his lips, and he's got he's got a bunch of essentially what this is is he's got a bunch of nervous tics, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that this hit one of those where he just kind of went on whatever was happening, he got distracted in his mind, and you know from from the attack by Christie, and then just sort of went off into this strange thing. Now I don't think that means anything about his psyche in any in any way, but it does suggest. That he is, you know, that this knock on him for not having for for doing this all the time for mm-hmm. being robotic. This isn't the first time people have said that about him. People complain about it all the time, and his campaign has always left it off by saying, "Hey, look, that's what politicians do when they're on the stump. They say the same thing, blah blah blah," which is true. But there's something about Rubio that makes him unable to switch out of that, and he does it with with such gracelessness, <laughs> when he, you know, he sort of launches into these, to these canned speeches. I mean, to me, he reminds me of, of, uh, of Desi Doyen's favorite candidate, um, <laughs> Carly, Carly Fiorina, who does yes. the same thing. And I've often thought that their delivery was very similar, that there's this kind of staccato emphasis, this very rehearsed way of speaking, and so when he did this the other night, it really, it was so bizarre that it brought attention to it in a way that I think people outside of political circles may not have been aware of, but this is him, and I think that he is not, um, he does not have the kind of spontaneity that makes people feel confident. You know, I mean if you have to go back and, and rehearse everything that you say and you know, if you want to get really nasty about it, you could also say, well, you know, this is a guy who really needs a teleprompter, if you know what I mean, you know, and he was supposed to be the the uh the Republican Barack Obama, right? Mm-hmm. The young, good looking Hispanic guy with beautiful family and, you know, and, breaking down all the barriers, et cetera, et cetera. Well in this sense he's the real Barack Obama in that he's the one who cannot speak he's way. the he one he's have... the
0: one that they claimed barack obama was that yes, he couldn't exactly. come up with, mm-hmm. with yeah i think that thing.
2: this is something that is one of his tics if he doesn't know what to say if he can't think of what to say he launches into that memorized attack and obviously his his uh, programming could not compute the new attack that was going on against <laughs> him but now the other candidates have his number they know <laughs> how to get him in the debate so i don't know is this something that rubio can recover from
0: uh, and and actually well say, let me put that to martin and then i, I yeah well put, put that to martin can he recover from this because this is the stuff they play over and over again it may not really tell us all that much about who he is about his character but it underscores a criticism about him that he's not experienced enough that he's not up to it
2: that he really uh, doesn't know yeah. the subject well enough to be able to riff on it without falling back on his
0: memorized canned lines martin was that a rubio killer over the weekend
3: well it could be if it's just it, it's something that he can't change. Um, you know if he gets a software upgrade, you know uh, <laughs> it might get rid of the bug here and you know that could happen just through uh, a little more experience and, and you know training from his media and debate coaches and, and stuff. so I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely write him off on this, but it indicates to me that there's at least the potential here that this is, like, just kind of a fatal flaw in him as a candidate. Um, I, I think it remains to be seen. I mean, there's also what happens tomorrow in the results, and if he if he has suffered mm-hmm. grievously from this um, with New Hampshire voters and finishes way below where he's expected to finish, uh, that's going to that's gonna create big problems for him. And um, n- if, he, if he survives it and comes in, you know, second or third or mm-hmm. something, he'll be right where he wanted to be. So yeah. a lot of it's going to depend on, on, you know, the results.
0: One of the things that and, and yeah, and indeed, n- New Hampshire voters are notoriously fickle. They decide oftentimes at the very last minute. I think that what happened over the past couple of days could have a big effect, especially since people were sort of congealing around. I don't think that's the right word. Uh, but <laughs> coalescing. <laughs> there we Let's go. go, 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 go I like it. is, is kind of good. Around Marco Rubio as the uh, establishment <laughs> alternative. That seems to me to be out the window. But uh, Heather, I want to ask you about this because, the, you know, this was uh, the, Rubio hadn't been the, what do we call it, the front runner or whatever, he, the establishment lane front runner for more than a few days. Suddenly he gets <laughs> this spotlight and he absolutely melts under it, uh, you know, needing water and everything else, but absolutely melts under it. This reminded me of what happened back in 2012. Remember when each of those candidates you know, came in for a while, they would become a front-runner, and then they would have that spotlight on them for a week, and they would absolutely fall apart. They would be destroyed. To that end, Trump seems to me that he's kind of doing a fate, well, maybe a, an ill favor to the GOP by not allowing those other candidates to get their time in the spotlight because he's, you know, sucked up so much of it. So now Rubio, you know, wins uh, third place in Iowa. He becomes the, 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 the boy of the moment, and he immediately falls apart. Wouldn't a lot of these other people perhaps have fallen apart by now had Trump not been sucking up all of the oxygen in the room? Is that is that a crazy theory?
2: Well, no. I mean, I think it has happened to Carson. I think he, he fell right. apart. Um right and that was the pattern i think that people assumed would would be the pattern going in the difference of course is that there's a lot of money out there and people who might have just dropped out for lack of money mm-hmm. uh if nothing else will you know have managed to stay in um yeah i think i think that i think that you're right and i think you know trump is able for whatever reason to kind of you know it's just a different dynamic with him in it just makes a lot of difference for him to be first. I think one of the things that, that Rubio had going for him, going into New Hampshire, was that he didn't just come in third. Uh, which he came in very close to Trump. Right. Um, it was, it you know, and with the way that, that those caucuses are held, who the hell knows? You know, right, <laughs> he might exactly, have beaten Trump. Yeah. So, you know, I think that was what had everyone excited, was, oh, my God, you know, maybe Trump. I mean, first of all, Trump showed weakness, which was, exciting and interesting mm-hmm. um, and kind of shook up the race. And then maybe Rumpio, uh, Rubio was going to be the Trump slayer. I like uh, I don't think that Rumpio. <laughs> Rumpio <laughs> is congealing. <laughs> All right, let, let me ask you. <laughs> let, that, so
0: so I, I think Rubio is in big, big trouble from that. I think it's actually huge. We'll see what happens, uh, as Martin suggests, uh, when voters actually go and vote on Tuesday. But... Um, uh, there was, Rubio, one potential alternative that they finally found maybe to Trump uh, and maybe self-destructing before our eyes. The other alternative to Trump has been Cruz now for a while, uh, and he did this dirty trick in Iowa where he sent out this notice that uh, 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 Ben Carson was dropping out of the race. He, ben Carson wasn't dropping out of the race. It was a lie. And now Cruz and sort of apologized for it. But now instead of, you know, coming clean, he continues to lie about this. And it's absolutely amazing. He said at the debate on uh, on Saturday night that, oh, CNN reported Cruz is dropping out at 630. They didn't correct it until 915 that night. Well, the fact is. CNN never reported he was dropping out of the race. They didn't issue a correction because, as they have pointed out, they had nothing to correct. They are hopping mad about the fact that Cruz is blaming CNN for Cruz's lie and their response has been rather amazing. This was Tom Foreman of CNN responding right after that debate on Saturday night at no time. Did CNN say that Ben Carson was dropping out of this race? Not online, not on air, not anywhere. And for Ted Cruz to stand on stage once again tonight and suggest that CNN did is a flat-out lie. The campaign has been called out for its dishonest handling of this information, and yet, once again, Ted Cruz stood on stage tonight and suggested that somehow this is based on what CNN did, and all CNN did was report the Facts. His claim is false. It was false from the get go. And it remains false. Now, we can talk about Ted Cruz's lies more in a moment. But actually, my first question, let me throw this to Martin, Martin Longman. Uh, It's not actually about Cruz. My question is, what would it take? To get CNN to be that direct about all of the other lies and liars out there who lied about something other than CNN, that that was what I've been waiting for for years from these uh, cable outlets to come out and call people a liar when they actually lied, and they did it in this case. I guess because it was about CNN.
3: Right. I mean, you know, if they if they do it. In other contexts, then, you know, look what happened to NBC where they've lost debates, right? The, the Republicans have decided that they're the flip side of Fox and, and they can't get a fair shake. And, uh, you know, that's what CNN worries about. That's how they, they keep these other, whether mm-hmm. it's CBS or ABC, that's how they keep them from being overly aggressive in terms of correcting the record right so uh you get this both sides do it stuff and you get uh you know less than declarative sentences and and mostly false instead of just completely utterly ridiculously false you know yeah
0: um so i
3: mean that that's part of how they they wield their power They, they they have they you know you see trump do it as well right he doesn't like something he's threatens not to show up, uh, and then that, that actually shades the coverage uh, in his favor. Uh, um,
0: Heather, were you struck by CNN's response? Dylan Byers also <laughs> responded on behalf of CNN and, you know, said he knowingly lied. I mean, <laughs> we never hear that from these guys. It was so refreshing.
2: It was refreshing, and it's very, it, I mean, I knew it at the time. I happened to be watching CNN win that Ben Carson news came on, on, mm-hmm. on the night of the Iowa caucuses. Mm-hmm. And I knew that they, that they had never said that. And in fact, among, you know, in, in my own little circle that was watching the returns, we started speculating about what that meant. And I said, even said out loud <laughs> to my friends, I said, you know, look, this doesn't mean he's dropping out, guys. <laughs> you know, I don't mm-hmm. know where you're getting that because people, you know, look. It was a fair assumption on the part of people. CNN never said it, and of course, Cruz lied outright because he. Because they blew it. I mean, they went ahead and did that. And then they got, by the way, they got recorded doing it. Some mm-hmm. of their people on the ground, yeah. there are recordings of them telling people, "Ben, you know, CNN's reported that Ben Carson's dropping out. So, you know, be sure and tell everybody to vote for Ted mm-hmm. uh, as the alternative. So it was clear that that had come down from the campaign, that they had done it. And they knowingly did it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, no one could have said for sure that Ben Carson was dropping the, out. They that knowing,
0: They knowingly did it. But then once they were called on it, they're still lying about it, which is what's amazing to me that Cruz seems to be so unapologetic in his lies. He lied about having a lost health insurance. He didn't lose health insurance coverage. He just blatantly lied about it, claimed it was Obamacare's fault. Here here he was once again, and this was from Saturday night, um, clip number five, does he, uh, talking about immigration and telling a lie that he has already been called out on from previous debates, and he doesn't care. Governor Kasich was talking about the families Mm -hmm. and what you do with the families that you'd have to send home.
4: Can you tell the American people tonight how you would do that? What you do is you enforce the law. I would note that in eight years, Bill Clinton deported 12 million people, In eight years, George W. Bush deported 10 million people. Enforcing the law, we can do it. What is missing is the political will. And once you secure the border, enforcing the law will solve this problem.
0: Now, that is just a lie. The Associated Press has pointed out in their fact check, they did this before, they're doing it, they did it again after Saturday night. Uh, No, it was 1.6 million were deported under Bush, not 11 million. Under Bill Clinton, it was... uh, 870,000, not 12 million, as Ted Cruz has uh, has now asserted again. Uh, they're figuring that uh, Cruz's numbers must be some combination of, of deportations with arrests that were made at the border, but it's a blatant lie. He just lies and continues to lie and seems to do so quite proudly. So uh, Heather um, Digby Parton does... Uh, it, it, the, the, between these dirty tricks and these lies, is this actually a plus for for Ted Cruz, that he is willing to play dirty, that he's willing to win by any means? Do Republican voters actually care anymore if their candidates are uh, proven liars?
2: Have, have they ever cared, Brad? I, uh, I don't know that this has ever been a litmus test. Really? For Republicans, honestly. I, I This is, look, you know, these guys... Uh, You know, going all the way back, I mean, I've said this before on this show. I I mean, Cruz is a direct heir to Richard Nixon uh, in in more ways than one. He is a truly unlikable character. Mm -hmm. But he's very, very smart, and he's very hardworking, and he actually understands how politics works. Now, it's possible that he is, you know, just too far right to ever be elected. And the fact that he has made so many enemies within his own party is his one true error, hmm. and that is a personality error. I read an article last week that absolutely stunned me. In I think it was in Gawker. They had heard some rumor about Ted, and they didn't report what it was because it turned out they couldn't confirm it, and so they didn't say. But in the course of this, of, this, of investigating it, they could not find a single person who had anything good to say about Ted Cruz. Right, truth.
3: right. He
2: is absolutely you know he is i've never seen anybody who is loathed so uh, you know so comprehensively by everyone he's ever met and yet has managed to make it this far in politics i mean usually you have to have some facility with people there has to be something there that that people will do and it seems like he's just done it by sheer Force that it's just been—he has just muscled his way through life without uh, any allies at all. It's just the strangest thing. An
0: argument could be made that this unlikable guy, who none of his colleagues like, is only has only gotten this far. Because he is such a very good and unapologetic and Maybe. accomplished liar, I, I mean, I don't understand, uh, frankly, how he even gets this far. Uh, Mark, Marty is is uh, is is lying now an asset if you're a, a Republican candidate. Is it actually is it an, an asset for any candidate? I'll I'll throw that idea out there before we take a break.
3: Well, I, I will say this. Um, you know, Mitt Romney, for me, set the land speed record for lying. Uh, we actually had a feature at the Washington Monthly, as Steve Bennon, who's mm-hmm. now with Rachel Maddow, did it, and it mm-hmm. was he just documented the lies each week that Romney had told, and, and he typically had about 30. Right. And he would link showing exactly why they were distortions and lies. And I, I really feel like, yeah, you can go back a long way and find... The right tends to uh, take more liberties with the facts uh, historically. But uh, Romney really took it to a new level. And I think Cruz is definitely in that mold. Um, where it, and, and I think that the voters in the Republican Party, the fact that I never detected any pushback on Romney for just, just going out there and just saying things that are just demonstrably untrue,
0: that's, and, you know,
3: that's, about every topic, and and it was like they never cared. That's so, what I'm getting
0: at. I think there is no yeah. penalty anymore for no, being a liar. And in
3: some cases, it may even be seen as this is a person who I can trust to really take it to the other side.
0: All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, speaking of taking it to new levels, torture returned. In a pretty big and and fairly gruesome way in that uh, Saturday debate and in the the hours since then, we're going to take a quick break and we will come back with my guests, Heather Digby-Parton of Salon and Martin Longman of Washington Monthly. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Please clap.
3: We're gonna win with Trump, we're gonna win. We don't win anymore, our country doesn't win anymore. We're gonna win with Trump.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he is winning, uh, and he very well, as we have said on this program. As a matter of fact, with Heather Digby Parton uh, on the day that Trump declared, he very well could win this nomination. Uh, we'll see what the voters think in New Hampshire on Tuesday and beyond. But uh, Heather Digby Parton uh, joins me, of course, for our post-debate coverage, and Martin Longman of Washington Monthly joins me as well. Okay. Uh, Heather, you wrote about this at uh, at Salon today. Uh, some kind of amazing points were made as torture returned to the GOP debate on uh, on Saturday. And Des, if you have clip number, which one is this? Uh, yeah, cl- clip number 16. Here was uh, Donald Trump, in this case, being asked about uh, the war crime of waterboarding.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, in the Middle East, we have people chopping the heads off Christians. We have things that we have never seen before as a group we have never seen before. Not since medieval times have people seen what's going on. I would bring back waterboarding, and I'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. Mr. Trump, thank you. Uh,
0: Donald, uh, uh, Ted Cruz also went, to say that, uh, went on to say that waterboarding is not torture, that he would bring it back, although not in widespread use just a little bit of uh, waterboarding i guess uh jeb said it was used jeb bush said it was used sparingly and uh congress has it right they they could use it again if they wanted to rubio was saying it's not law enforcement it's terror pre- prevention so sure waterboarding war crimes are just fine with marco rubio but, uh, Heather, you pointed out that he went, Trump went even further the following day on, uh, what, on ABC News this week? Yeah. Explain yeah, he, what he, happened. He,
2: well, it was, I mean, it, it's shocking. He's been saying this for a long time, and I found it to be one of the most astonishing things in this whole campaign, that that's just written off as, you know, just a normal thing for someone to mm-hmm. say. I not only, he says, that, and he says it all the time, I not only would do what bring back waterboarding, I would bring back worse. And I would do more. And you have to do what, you know, I would kill the families. I would torture them. I mean, this is, he's saying this right up front, and people are applauding wildly. I mean, I find it so sick, I can hardly wrap my mind around it. I mean, it's you know, it's bad enough that this was done or that anybody thought, you know, or that Dick Cheney says it's a no-brainer. But to be out there celebrating it with big applause lines just, it just absolutely kills me. So he goes on this week, yesterday, with George Stephanopoulos, And, you know, Stephanopoulos asked him about it, and he reiterated what he said in the debates. And then he said this, and I'm just going to quote it. I've got it here. Mm -hmm. It says, I'm sorry. He says, do we win? Stephanopoulos said, do we win by being more like them? And he said, yes, I'm sorry. You have to do it that way. And I'm not sure everybody agrees with me. We're living in a time that's as evil as any time that there has ever been. You know, when I was a young man, I studied medieval times. That's what they did. They chopped off heads. That's what we have to do, Stephanopoulos. So we're going to chop off heads, Trump. We're going to do things beyond waterboarding, perhaps, if that happens to come. So basically, when he says he will do worse than waterboarding, he is essentially endorsing beheading.
0: And and he actually said that as part of it. it. He he actually referred to it. He said, yeah, we'll have to. What was this?
2: Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah. Then that's what we're going to have to. And Then Stephanopoulos said, chop off heads. And he goes, yes, we're going to have to do worse (laughs) than waterboarding. Uh, and, you know, and this is, I'm sure he means it. I don't, I don't have any reason to doubt that that's exactly what he meant to say. Of course, that's what he's talking about. I mean, what he's saying is, and he's been saying this all along, whenever they do something, you know, it's that old Chicago thing, you know, you bring a knife, we'll bring a gun, you know, mm-hmm, that, that, mm-hmm. that trope. Um, that's what he's saying, that we need to do exactly. Now, he's not the only one. Dr Ben Carson has often said we need to we need to stop doing these politically correct wars. You don't win wars by doing that. Essentially he's saying the same thing that you, there there should be no no legal um you know restrictions mm-hmm. on how we conduct the war. Rubio has said the same thing and yep. so has Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush said in the in the previous debate he said I'm going to tell the lawyers to get out of war fighting or something along those lines I'm paraphrasing. But that was it he's basically saying we're going to take the gloves off and this all this legal mumbo jumbo about how we fight wars we're going to get past that. Now, to me this is a natural consequence of what happened during the Iraq war yeah. when when Bush and his cronies got away with what they did and and then Obama came in and, and, you know, said, well, we don't want to look in the rearview mirror. I mean, it was a tough position for him to be in, I get it, but this is what happens. It has now been normalized to the degree that you have a... a, a big group of Republican candidates now just going, yeah, you know, waterboarding. Yeah, it's not, you know, I, some I of it's not great.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can, I'm sorry, I can't give uh, uh, Obama that pass, saying that he was a tough in a tough situation. These are war crimes. This comes back to, this redounds against our own people uh, in future wars. We have essentially thrown the, uh, uh, the Geneva Conventions over the cliff, and I think it's because, Martin, let me get your thoughts on this, I think it's because uh, well, two, two things. One, as she points out, because there was never any accountability by the Obama administration for this, but also because the media really never called out the Obama administration. They never called out the Bush administration for it in the first place. And then they never called out the Obama administration uh, for, you know, for, for doing for getting having no accountability for all of this. I, I'm i am uh you know, the media for years, for decades now, has the corporate media has by and large ignored people like Heather at Hullabaloo, like uh, Martin Longman at Boo Man, like Brad at uh, BradBlog.com. Um, how much of this is, you know, the media to blame? They put, you know, this Mary Catherine Ham, this right wing blogger, she was actually a questioner yesterday. Can you imagine? uh ABC News ever asking you Martin Longman or uh Heather Parton or me or you know Marcos Daily Coast to be a questioner I mean, isn't this, doesn't this all come back once again to media failure as you see it
3: uh, media is a big a big part of it um and also just it, I think it it ties back into uh an overused phrase but at the establishment and when we are foreign policy establishment decides we're going to go invade the wrong country uh, and things don't go well Uh, they're only willing to um, be introspective to a certain point you know Mm -hmm. they're only willing to hold people account to a certain point they bend over backwards to make apologies you know for this and we saw this over and over again uh, during the Iraq War with yep. Scooter Libby and and all of the neocons who said that the war was a great idea uh, or would be a great idea, and and the, the press, uh, you know, making apologies rather than I mean, and, and in many cases they they were so far uh, uh, culpable, you know, mm-hmm. either through uh, helping to catapult the propaganda that led to the war or by being embedded in with the troops uh, so I think that's been a big problem the, the one other thing I'd like to say is that when it comes to uh, human rights war crimes and, and basically the things we tried to set up after World War II uh, these aren't necessarily things that are intuitively agreed to by people who are scared or who are angry it takes leadership for people to Understand why you don't react, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tooth for a tooth. Uh, why you don't respond to beheading with beheadings, and so forth. And that's where the Republicans are utterly failing. Right? They're they're failing to step up and talk to people about why these things are important.
0: I would actually say, and I, I cutting you off only because I got to get out, Martin. But I would actually say the Republicans in that this case are succeeding because. They like to, to do this stuff, and you've got a, uh, a, a corporate media who refuses to call them out for it. You've got a Democratic administration who refuses to bring accountability for it. Uh, I think this is a big win for uh, for the Republicans and a big loss, frankly, for humanity. I got to get out. Uh, I really appreciate. Uh, great having you here, Martin. Thank you so much, Martin Longman of Booman Tribune and Washington Monthly. Check out his work over at Washington uh, WashingtonMonthly.com, I think, and uh, and uh, BoomanTribune.com. Heather Digby Parton, always an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Check out her work at Salon and over at Blogspot.com. Oh, follow them both on the Twitters at digby56 and Booman23. two three go figure <laughs> thanks guys really appreciate it
2: thanks for having me
0: you bet thanks uh, for having us uh, my pleasure uh, thank you for being had if you missed any portion <laughs> of today's program you can download it as ever at bradblog.com or over at iTunes and you can follow me of course, on the Twitters at the Brad blog. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and to my guests, Heather and Martin. All right. Buckle up for New Hampshire. Until then, uh, we will see you. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.